The Guardian. Hello everyone, I'm Matt Wells. This is Media Talk coming up this week. I'm William Arthur Philip Louis, to be Catherine Elizabeth, my wedded wife, to happen to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse. The death of bin Laden marks the most significant achievement to date in our nation's effort to defeat Al-Qaeda. We look back on the marathon marriage of Wills and Kate and wonder whether the capture of bin Laden was a defining media moment. Also in the podcast, Lord Patton begins his work as new chairman of the BBC. Plus, what does the future hold for Andrew Marr now that he's lifted his own super injunction? And I like making businesses money. I've made every business I've worked for a hell of a lot of money. Um, and now it's time to concentrate on making me some money. I'm here to win. Bottom line. I am here to win. I am somebody that's good to work with, but if you cross me, then you definitely know about it. The Apprentice is back, so it's time to meet Lord Sugar's latest bunch of reprobates. This is Media Talk from The Guardian, 190 years young today. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you enjoyed your break from us as much as we enjoyed it from you, as if. Uh, here with me today is Steve Ackerman, the Managing Director of Radio and Digital Super Indie, something else. How are you, Steve? Oh, well, I, I don't know if we've ever been described as a super indie. Uh, well, you are now. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. You've got Ronnie Wood and Robbie Savage battling it out for <laughs> the uh, Sony Rising Star Award. Who's going to win? And more to the point, who will be more fun to celebrate with afterwards? Actually, they're, they're both brilliant fun. Uh, who's who's going to win? Well, all I can say is the Rolling Stones. It has been placed on the official Rolling Stones website. The you know the voting yeah. link. So I suppose Ronnie's got a slight uh, a, a slight advantage uh, there in yes. terms of the fan base. Okay. Well, uh, also here with us is the is the Duchess of Dulwich herself, Maggie Brown. How, how do you do, Mum? How are you? I'm just polishing my tiara. Uh, uh, good. Thank you very much. Did, did you host a royal wedding street party? No, I did not. But I did host a, a very modest lunch, uh, accompanied with a bottle of prosecco at the key moment. <laughs> okay, so you could have come to mind. Uh, right, well, it's, uh, it's the royal wedding where we'll start this week because uh, we've been unable to move for the blanket coverage of Prince William taking Kate Middleton up the aisle. That was, of course, until the happy couple were knocked off the bulletins on the front pages with the extraordinary news broken on Twitter that US Navy SEALs had found and killed Osama bin Laden in Pakistan. Coverage and controversy and conspiracy theories have since spawned following President Obama's decision to withhold photographs of bin Laden's body. More on all that in a moment. First, let's look back at the wedding. Uh, here in Britain, 26 million of us tuned in. The BBC won the ratings war, uh, predictably getting around three times ITV's share. But which channel were you watching, Maggie? Well, actually, I began by watching all three. I was switching between Sky News, ITV and the BBC. And at a certain point, I, I got so fed up when I switched back to the BBC and they were telling me a key fact that I'd learnt 15 minutes earlier on ITV that I actually then uh, decided I, I couldn't stand any more of Simon Sharma, although I normally like Simon Sharma. far too much Simon Sharma. Exactly. So I stayed with ITV because, I mean, once, the, once it began, I mean, it's pretty much of a muchness. Mm. It, it's all the bits around it that really um, made a difference. But having said that, I have read all the criticism about the BBC's coverage, some of which I do agree with. And if I hadn't been watching ITV, especially the late night, the 10 o'clock news, I wouldn't have seen the, uh, the, the somersaulting, um, uh, know, what was he doing? Not, not somersaulting, he was doing oh, the, 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 the verger, the, yes, the, doing the, his, yes. Ca- his cartwheels, yes. down, cartwheels the, down, the, uh, down the red carpet, which was absolutely wonderful, which was a nice moment. But having said all of that, what we should 
also acknowledge is that if you have plurality in this country, you have different styles of coverage. And I think it's perfectly reasonable for the BBC to attempt to do one sort, which may be a bit plodding, uh, and ITV to do a much more cheeky version. So I, had, I don't have a problem with that, mm. actually. I thought it was quite interesting that, uh, that, that, the, the, um, that the critical plaudits went to ITV. Um, uh, the, the thing that was interesting about it, I thought, was that they sort of captured what you as the viewer wanted to see so uh, yes. and that I hadn't really thought about this until I was watching it but in the run up you know when the guests are arriving you just want pictures and pictures of all the guests and what and commentary about what they're wearing That's and oh right. there's David Beckham and doesn't he look fabulous and then on the way out and then afterward and then as you say the ceremony is much the ceremony for muchness much much and the music uh, was fantastic yes. all of this is a lovely feast yes you know. and then afterwards you, um, uh, uh, you, you know you want all that sort of party, party atmosphere on the mall and interviewing people you know real people don't you Steve, Steve what was your but it's, but it's not the BBC's role is it I mean, I, in I think Mag is right that 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 the BBC's role there is to give the the sort of magisterial, on the, yeah, the sort yeah. of on the fence, authoritarian, you know, uh, uh, not authoritarian, authoritative, authoritative uh, view of what's going on. Whereas the other broadcasters can be a little bit more cheeky with it. I mean, I begrudgingly watched. I was definitely one of those people who said, "I'm not no. going to watch it," and then, watch it. Yeah. and then it's on, and my wife's getting excited. And okay, so I'm so I'm watching it. Uh, you know, I thought the BBC's coverage was okay. I think I think the one thing to be commended for actually was, um, you know, if you watched it with the sound off and realised the the range of pictures you're getting. I mean, that was a huge huge broadcast operation going on and, 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 and absolutely incredible because even the were amazing. even at the end when, when the car's pulling into the courtyard inside Buckingham Palace there, there the cameras are already I mean that was a massive operation I thought though that Sheila Fogarty made a very good point she said that um, she'd been rewarded for all of her years of reading Hello magazine because <laughs> she could spot the celebrities and I think that might have been a bit of a weakness the BBC doesn't really do celebrities and often uh, people were coming in and they obviously didn't have a clue who was coming in I thought what was um, uh, what was interesting about it, one of the one of the very many interesting aspects about it was just this point that you make, Steve, that that, uh, that you weren't really thinking that you're going to watch it. But actually, you know, 26 million—that's a national moment, isn't it? So whatever you say about um, changing attitudes to, towards towards the royals, it was definitely a moment when everybody was was watching it or consuming it in some form or another, whatever they thought about it. Well, I think there was—I think people really fell into three groups. There were there were the the the, 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 the hardcore royalists who just love the royal family and everything to do with it, and will consume every bit of media um, to do with that. There's the uh, the sort of uh, Guardian Easters who pretend they're not that interested, are probably Republicans, but you couldn't help but being... Yeah being uh, interested and uh, and then there's the sort of Johnny come latelys who are just sort of part of the party but don't really care either way well talking about uh, Rep- republican guardianistas listening very patiently to all of this has been emily bell director of the tau center for digital journalism at columbia university how was it for you emily oh it was great matt i had to leave some partying guardian executives uh, rush back home i watched two hours of the build-up i got to the bit where kate middleton was just getting in the car fell asleep, woke up fully clothed on my own sofa at half past six in the morning to see the happy couple coming out of the abbey. <laughs> you missed so, it all. <laughs> I miss, it's a bit like the deer hunter, which I've never seen all the way through because I always fall asleep at the wedding and wake up at the Russian roulette. It was exactly the same. Yes. So now I slept all the way through it and then had to watch it later. And but it has been, it's been an extravaganza here as well. Well, how has it gone, gone down there? Because it, it, it does seem to have been covered with, with greater intensity and, and more expense and greater showbiz over there than it has here. Yeah, I think it has. I mean, there's this bizarre thing where you have Katie Couric standing in front of Westminster Abbey talking about the week's news, um, serious news in uh, Libya, because every single anchor of, of any note um, had got themselves on some sort of jolly out there. Uh, so there was a great deal of, you know, that 
the Americans view uh, the British with this incredible kind of, you know, the, the only two stories that ever come out of Britain that they're even vaguely interested in are anything to do with the royal family. And when people dress up as Victorian characters at Christmas... <laughs> Um, and apart from, apart from that, you know, I had, there will be no coverage, I can assure you, of the um, uh, AV um, <laughs> referendum. Yes, yeah. But yeah, uh, it, was, it was it was it was blanket coverage. And, here. and, and this and, and this, of course, had both because it had had lots of people in silly costumes, didn't it? Yes, it was absolutely perfect for them. Um, and so you did have a lot of uh, you know kind of the, the sort of quaint how quaint it was I actually ended up watching um, I completely disagree with Maggie I can't get enough of Professor Sharma <laughs> one of my colleagues here at Columbia who I just thought when he said today was a day when uh, Catherine and William got married and the monarchy got married to the nation oh. that's, that's, you see that's why we tune in over here yes, in yes. our republican fervour but yeah. it, it does make one wonder why the, why, why the Americans ever bothered to get rid of the royal family <laughs> it, it was- we have Queen envy. <laughs> well, yes, I have that all the time. Um, it's a good job uh, there wasn't any proper news that day, uh, you know, like uh, finding the world's most wanted man, uh, which uh, fortunately for, for, for the television schedules and the, and the, and the newspaper uh, production schedules uh, came just a couple of days later. Um, uh, while you're on, Emily, um, give us a flavour of that in, uh, in, in America. What, what has been – because I think what, what I'd like to know, about, know is – uh, the coverage of the, uh, you know, of Afghanistan and nine eleven was all was you know, and all of that around there has, was criticised for being gung ho and too too much uh, taking the administration line. Um, has that been the case this time, or uh, or has there been a more sort of um, uh, sceptical view of the of, of what America has been saying about the whole story? No, not really. I mean, it, it, it's been interesting actually what's happened in the last couple of days because the the evening itself was. Uh, you know, remarkable in that uh, people really did go out onto the streets. You know, d- downtown here, they uh, spontaneously sort of gathered at, at, at Ground Zero. And as far as I can see, um, students celebrated in the time-honoured way of taking their tops off and getting drunk. Um, but, th- but there was actually sort of this very electrifying moment. It, <laughs> it was an extraordinary media moment for, for, for Obama. The White House then subsequently released the photos onto Flickr of uh, the faint by now sort of famous shot of um, uh, Obama and Biden and, and Clinton and uh, the military uh, the top room. brass. Yeah, watching it in the Situation Room. Uh, and this sort of um, sense of closure, there's a, an enormous sort of false, I think, sense of closure was being manufactured to some extent by certainly kind of, you know, the cable TV channels and, and the popular press. But then we've had this sort of unraveling of, well, what actually happened? Was he shielded by his wife or not shielded by his wife? Was he armed or not armed? And, and there's been an interesting undercurrent of the story here, which is really about this story has only really been reported by the White House. And what has, what's the secondary verification for it and so it's it's sort of interesting from the kind of the euphoric moment where really people reflected very much back on sort of 9-11 I mean that was a moment for 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 people to think about that uh there's been much more kind of actually a sort of slightly more critical and skeptical eye uh cast on it in the last couple of days um, uh, Steve, it's. I mean, this it, we were talking about the the royal wedding being an, a, a national moment. It's almost like the, the, this is quite a global me- media moment, isn't it? The, the demand, the the um, I, it must be to do with the kind of iconic nature of Bin Laden, isn't it? Because you know he's just some you know really he's just some 
some criminal, isn't he? But there's this you know, incredible amount of interest in it. Well, it's the classic good v bad thing, isn't it? And I think that was played up, especially when George Bush was in power, because, you know, I'm going to get them bad guys I am, you know, rooting, tooting, guns firing. And so, and so that, um, that, that status increased. You know, I, I think this week's been really interesting from a media perspective because um, – Actually, I think the White House has, has, has slightly mismanaged it and got it, you know, slightly wrong. And what they needed was that independent verification because you're always going to get those people who say, well, it hasn't really happened, has it? Where's, where's, where's the photos? Where's the proof? Mm. And, uh, I've been surprised that they didn't allow a small group of, you know, very, very senior journalists some sort of access to either photos or, you know, journalists to, yeah. to, 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 to some provide some sort of verification so that you can just immediately cut back on all the side speculation that's been going on around the story. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually think we will all remember where we are, where, where we were, rather, when we heard this story. I mean, it's one of those moments when, you know, you can hardly believe it. <laughs> I had the news... Bed, well, I had the news shouted. I was staying with my sister and, and brother-in-law, and they literally shouted the news down to me mm. from uh, the, the corridor, I, and I was in... And, I, and I, rem- I, I was so mesmerized, I couldn't believe my ears, and I sort of rushed out and said, what did you say? And I think that there are, of course quibbles about this. I think Obama's absolutely right not to release the um, shot-up face of, of um, uh, oh, yes. Bin Laden, yeah. because no, no, I, 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 I wouldn't do that for a moment, and I think that's a sensible thing to do. I do believe that the Americans have got him. You could not have sent in independent observers when you're doing this kind of no, ruthless reign. And I, sec- I also know, because I was in America two years ago exactly, when uh, there was an attempt to plant a car bomb in Times Square in New York, and the Americans are not that subtle. And uh, they will be just... I mean, the fact they poured out on the streets, admittedly, it was in New York. I mean, just think of the impact yeah. in the Midwest and all the rest of it. This is the, the, the actual reaction to this is, we got him. And, uh, you know, we, they don't, I don't, I'm sure people don't really care whether he's dead or whether they prefer him dead. And I'm not too certain people are that worried about how he was shot. Yeah. I know this sounds very crude, but that is the American psyche. Um, Emily, what, um, uh, I want to pick up on this line that Maggie mentioned about um, the mo- you know, that moment when you find out. And I think um, uh, it's, it's clear that what a lot, a lot of people then did at that moment was not what you might have expected, say, five or ten years ago, which is turn on the cable news channels. It was they went to their computers and turned on Twitter, uh, uh, or yeah. you know, and, and I think that that, that is a. It really feels like that, that, that it was a, you know, a moment that for breaking news, you go, you know, you, you go online and you talk about it and you and, and you find out, of, out about it there. That's well, that's a really I, interesting. I, I think I think that's absolutely right. You know, you need big you need big events to show how the gears have changed in in news gathering. And uh, people have said that you know, for, for, for sort of Twitter, this is a little bit like nine uh, eleven. Just generally was for the delivery of news over the internet, uh, because what actually happened here was that the announcement that there was going to be a press conference was really the trigger so actually probably what people did was rather what happened in this house which is you immediately switch on cable television but of course they're they're kind of incredibly conservative so so nothing was really being said at which point the next thing is you, you open the laptop and you start searching twitter and then you start to see the speculation and the rumor and then you know, a tweet from somebody who actually might know, suggesting what it is. Then interestingly, the cable channels started to say, we have no confirmation that this is what it's going to be about, but there are rumours out there. You know, so it was just that 
that sort of in, the, the, the speed, the contagion with which a very specific piece of information moves through that network is absolutely incredible. And if you look at the figures, there were 4,000 tweets per second just sort of in the in the minutes leading up to Obama's or the sort of the, the minutes leading up to Obama's actual mm. White House address. And then there was a bit of a lull and then it peaked again. So that's, you know, quarter that's quarter of a million tweets per minute. And remember that it was kind of quite late at night here on a Sunday night, a school night. Mm. Um, so really sort of people weren't at all prepared for it. But it it, it it completely demonstrated how the news cycle has now got this very public back channel, which mm. is Essentially, as soon as anybody knows anything is going to happen, um, it, it, the conversation immediately switches to social media. And, and at the moment, that means Twitter. OK, Emily Bell, uh, thanks as ever. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. Uh, and there's more on the death of Osama bin Laden and the royal wedding. I don't know whose, whose idea it was doing those two together, but it kind of worked, didn't it? On uh, mediaguardian.co.uk. Uh, well, that's all, that was all very good fun. Uh, the question is whether we can keep things going as we get stuck into our news in briefs. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. News in brief. Um, Maggie, let's... Uh, I've got something on my mind. Maggie, let's start with the BBC Trust. Uh, Chris Patton has been in the job as chairman of the BBC Trust for, what, about 48 hours so far. What, um, uh, what do you think? I thought he did a very good interview on the Today programme. And, uh, and which... Sorry, I know I'm saying... I've asked you what you think and I'm telling you what I think. But, no, um, no, I'm interested. Uh, that in all, all those years we've had, had, had and we've been critical of um, that the BBC hasn't got very good public advocates and you know Mark Thompson's a bit of a stammer and Jane Bennett was always a bit hopeless on New, Newsnight and Michael Lyons wasn't up to much either but I really thought that Chris Patton had a, had a way of speaking and a, and a kind of a language and that was quite um, you know uh, you, you felt that, 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 that everything's fine in his hands Well this is precisely why he's been picked and um, earlier in March I, I, I went to the um, uh, uh, pre-appointment um, hearing which the Culture Media Sport Committee uh, held and he was very impressive there for well over an hour. What you heard on the Today programme was in many ways an abbreviated version of what he told them about his, um, his, his approach to the BBC. And all of this is delivered in um, a quiet but incredibly authoritative voice, always with a touch of humour, um, but with a hint of steel underneath it. Mm. I mean, he's not afraid. Every word is carefully placed. So what did we learn? Well, we, we knew that uh, he thought there were many BBC management salaries that are still too high, uh, despite what Mark Thompson and um, uh, Marcus Aegis, the senior um, independent uh, director on the executive um, have told um, uh, well they told the House of Lords last week um, he has also made it perfectly clear that, um, that the trust is in charge um, if you listen carefully what he's saying is that um, uh, he is expecting it to be very tough he hopes services won't have to close but he is not in favour of this salami slicing of programme budgets which in effect has protected the bureaucracy and of course above all of this he is this passionate believer in the BBC and the values of a liberal democracy. That's what he really stands for. And, and while he, is, of course, is in a difficult position, as a, really he has been an active Tory all of his life, um, he has appeared to be able to um, adjust his position to being 
a, a, a real defender, if you like, of what you might call public service broadcasting. Not yeah. always a huge priority for certain types of right-wing market-led uh, Tories. Um, I thought it was an incredibly impressive performance. And what I also think, can I just say this, yeah. I have said this before in this podcast, it has actually probably suited the executive of the BBC, the top of the BBC, the people who work there, um, to actually think that they run the BBC and that they can run rings around people. And it has also probably suited them to say that privately, well, the trust is what it is. We do know they have been at loggerheads over things. Well, what Patton is saying, I'm not going to spend the next four years being a quango fixer. It is what it is. We're going to try and improve relations with the BBC executive board and with Ofcom, but we are actually going to get on with this, and we are the sovereign body responsible for the BBC and the licence fee payers' money. And I, I think that uh, he's come, he's he's come out, cl- you know, quite clearly. And I think this is an incredibly good start. I'm 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 full of hope now. Excellent, good. Um, uh, let, let's uh, l- let's leave that because that's very comprehensively done. And By the, the way, you do you do know? Uh, I think I'm right in saying what, his email address. You know, you know this one. Well, no, go on. What? Well, his, his email address is uh, his BBC address is Lord You know, you know the the, the BBC oh, format yes. is always you know, Steve Ackerman. Yes. BBC. He's Lord Dot Patton. Uh-huh. Excellent. Um, uh, well, now uh, I was going to um, mention uh, we have talked about Spotify before when you were last on, Steve, but we should mention it again because they've made this uh, another quite significant move, which you should explain because I'm always useless at explaining anything to do with Spotify. Well, the, I, I mean, the, the easy element of this is basically that you will now be able to download music from Spotify uh, onto your MP3 player and, and specifically onto your iPod. And um, most importantly, it won't uh, wipe the music that you already have, which is obviously an issue that, that, is, um, that, that, that does sometimes relate to iPods if you're not going through iTunes. Yeah. So um, it, it's, a, it's a very, very smart move because what it basically means is um, you can be interacting with the service and you can then obviously be choosing tunes that you do like and, and, and buying them and, um, and they'll be appearing on your, on your iPod. And, 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 and it takes it off the desktop, doesn't it? it? We're very reliant on, 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 you, on you listening or, or it, using it on your laptop or desktop. Exactly. Up, up until now, if you were um, a premium customer for them, so you were someone who was paying the monthly subscription, you could access Spotify on your mobile. So you could have it streamed through your mobile, but only if you paid that fee so for the uh, and if you think they've got a ratio of about 10 to 1 in terms of people who don't pay to people who pay um it suddenly opens up uh portability for spotify in a really massive way let's go back quickly to uh, the bbc and one of the uh, corporation star presenters has found himself in a bit of a bind uh, after he admitted having a super injunction issued uh, over what was one of the worst kept secrets in fleet street this is andrew marr of course um what do you think about the um implications i mean you know never mind all the stuff about uh, super injunctions themselves which we've talked about endlessly maggie but the implications for him as a broadcaster do you think it makes his his position difficult as a uh, as a political interviewer that he can't he can't ask people about their private life anymore well he has already been challenged i, I feel that the guilt has come off the gingerbread a bit for uh, andrew Marr. um I, th- I think he probably handled it as well as he could by bringing the story out or appearing to control it. But um, there are, you you can't escape the fact that some of the the mud is going to stick. And he, I don't think it actually undermines him as a, as a major political interviewer. And his, you know, Sunday morning program is actually a very lively affair. Mm. Uh, But it does, 
it, it, it just, as I say, uh, guilt on, on, on the gingerbread is, 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 is the feeling I have about him. He has lost something, I think, in, in, in terms of status. Right. And I think, you know, uh, also people have raised this issue of his wife as well, being a serious commentator for The Guardian. You know, what did she feel about all of this? I mean, she's not an inconsiderable figure either. I mean, they are in many ways a very powerful unit um, in, in, in sort of political circles. It, it, it does, I think, have an element of the Angus Deaton's uh, over again, doesn't it? Yeah. Be- because the issue there was that he every was time, he, all the time he was getting yeah. teased yeah, all the time, and as you said already, there were two mentions on the show last uh, Sunday. From, have from I got news for you? No, no. it isn't. But, it but isn't. you still but know it's there in the background. There's a credibility issue, yes. though. And, and I think you know, Andy, Mar- the BBC really needs these big national broadcasting figures. And as we saw, maybe Hugh Edwards isn't quite David Dimbleby. And I always felt with Mar, he was being, you know, uh, developed and and encouraged to broaden himself and turn himself into uh, almost like a sort of a, a BBC One sort of figure mm. and you just wonder about that now which right. is a shame thank you very much uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see more. it'll be one to watch because it'll, be, it'll exactly. really depend on whether it was just one joke on Sunday or whether it car- carries on in, in, no, the Angus thing is, is, is a very good one and he's never recovered yeah no. well okay uh, thanks for that uh, more on all the stories uh, at mediaguardian.co.uk and at this point we're going to say goodbye to Steve Ackerman because you have other things that you have to rush off to I've got to run and fly and go yeah. Yeah. and be a thank media, you, media star thank you see you, see you again soon We've swapped uh, Steve Ackerman with uh, an excellent replacement in uh, Vicky Frost, who's the TV editor of Guardian.co.uk. Hello, hello, Vicky, hello. how are you? Hello, I'm all right. Good, thank you. excellent. Um, did you enjoy the royal wedding? In a manner of speaking. Even the bits with fern cotton? <laughs> uh, particularly not the bits with fern cotton. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I got up and I watched it right from the beginning, right from the 6am start. Oh, yes. You were there the with Daybreak, through. weren't you? I yes, know. I was, um, yeah. Have you been, you have, I understand, been at the launch, uh, this is, never ask a question you don't know the answer to, uh, been at the launch of season seven of The Apprentice. I have. How was it? Wildly exciting. How? Far more exciting than a royal wedding. Yes. Uh, I, this is, it, this is um, impressive that we have to get, we've get, got to season seven. This is not an insignificant achievement, I think, mm. uh, um, with, with, with this programme. Uh, you know, Big Brother 7, it was like, you know, I, I can't remember, I remember, but, you know, there, there was, um, you know, it had that series had real ups and downs, but, for, but to go this long and still generate this kind of level of excitement is really interesting. It is really interesting. I mean, they have sort of given it a twist this year. Right, what's that? This is the year that uh, you don't end up working for Lord Sugar at the end of it. I mean, which never made any sense. Why would anyone that talented want to go and work for Amstrad? I mean, you know, it was always crazy. And this year, instead of that, uh, you the winner will get a £250,000 startup fund and they will go into partnership on a 50-50 basis with Sugar, right. basically. Well, well it's, 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 there's more of a cat of stake then, isn't there? There's, hmm. there's, you know, that's quite a lot of money, isn't it? Well, I, I think, you know, the whole idea about it being is about being, uh, meant to be about being entrepreneurial. Well, then that is an actual entrepreneurial price. Sure. So that um, should so be might good. be a legacy company they can go back and report on. When you think about it, it's got the potential for yet more series. It does, yes. What, that's uh, very what, hopeful, Maggie. <laughs> 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 there we are. Maggie obviously is the bright side and everything. What are the candidates like? This is what we want to know. Um, they, uh, I thought from the pictures they all look a bit stubbly and miserable. Uh, well, I think they always look a bit stubbly and miserable at this point. I don't know that there is... I don't know that I think there's somebody who's obviously this year's Stuart Bags, mm. but I don't know that that's a bad thing, actually, because I guess you don't want to feel like it's cynical casting in that way. What's the first task? Uh, the first task is, um, is fruit and veg. <laughs> They're given £250 to buy fruit and veg and add value and, and sell it. I mean, you know, predictably ridiculous. Obli- OK, that's that. Uh, obligatory Doctor Who question. Yes. How fabulous was it? 
Well, I love it. On a scale it. of one to I mean, yes. lots of people aren't really? liking it. Yes. Who are these people? Yes. Like, quite a lot of people aren't particularly liking it. They think it's all very complicated. It is very complicated. But well, I quite it like is that. complicated, but I don't think, you know, let's... Scary. Kids, kids are kind of, you know, smart. They can yeah. stay with storylines. They're not stupid. Yeah. And good for them. Educational. Yeah, scary too. Properly scary, I thought. You didn't yeah, think so. I didn't really, and right. I am easily scared. But um, I think that maybe, maybe just particularly the silence don't scare me because you know if, if they're not there when you look away, you know how can you fine. be scared about <laughs> yeah. them? What about? Let's have a quick run through other other things. Uh, uh, Exile was on this week. This is Paul Abbott's uh, thing, which I have got. It's, it's on the yeah, iPlayer, and I haven't. It's on the list of things to watch, but I haven't watched it yet. You've got a treat ahead is of it. You. Good? It's fantastic, and it is Paul Ab- Ab- Abbott's thing. But actually, it's written by Danny Brocklehurst, and the script is absolutely stand out brilliant it's fantastic and all everyone in it is very very good in fact uh john sim john sim is actually quite reined in for john sim which is kind of a nice nice change olivia coleman is i think she's just the most underrated actress comedian there is she's fantastic in it and she's just funny and she does straight she's just brilliant and of course jim broadbent gives a just a really fantastic central performance in it it's, it's a treat well it's not it's gruelling but it's a treat okay well, uh, well that, that, that's one for the weekend and um uh we should mention the hot news off the press v- uh, vicky which is that uh, cheryl cole has been confirmed as a judge on the u.s version of the x factor correct um, what a surprise what a surprise <laughs> well this is a, well, i thought that uh, uh, you got the sense that um, Carol actually was not totally in control of this, and it was the US networks who were, and he was conducting a bit of a media campaign to force them into it, and they seemed to have rel- relented. Yeah, I think so, actually. I mean, I think it was clear he just desperately wanted her to do it, and I didn't know whether actually it was sort of backfiring in terms of she was kind of being seen as sort of someone who couldn't break the US as a result of it. But obviously, he's got his way in the end. What delights they have to look yes. forward to. Yes, do you think they'll understand her? This is the thing, though. Uh, I think... I don't think her accent is that difficult no. to understand, yeah. really. No, I don't think so. Um, no she, subtitles. She has, she has got... An, uh, I think that, that, that what they were like is that, that, that she's very easy to read and she's quite straightforward and quite emotional and quite direct, which very is, emotional. I think will go down well in America. She always has a tear in her eye, yeah. often has a tear in her eye, but also she's quite fighty if she needs to be. Um, I mean, she is great. She's a great talent show, you quite know, li- judge in that way. Yes. yes. Uh, no, okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad we mentioned that. Uh, th- uh, that'll do for this week. Thank you very much, Vicky Frost. Um, there's just time to get a final word from... Well, 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 Steve's gone, so we haven't got a final word from him, sadly. But, Maggie, what have you learnt this week? Well, I've learnt that um, one of the uh, star uh, celebrities, um, or presenters, rather, um, hired by Channel 4 from the BBC, from BBC One, uh, got three times the amount um, from Channel 4 that he was earning at the BBC. Well, have this on excellent authority, 1.5 million deal. There you are. Uh, mm. Well, I've, I've learned several things this week. I've learned that the uh, controller of a highly, highly reputable radio station has been suspended after a popular uprising by his staff. He's being investigated for workplace bullying. Mm. And I've also learned, more less seriously, uh, that, um, that Abbottabad, or Abbottabad, how you pronounce it, where uh, bin Laden was killed, was named after um, uh, British military hero Major James Abbott, uh, not, as some media outlets have said, uh, 1980s funny man uh, uh, Russell. Abbott. Or indeed uh, Paul Abbott. Or indeed Paul Abbott. <laughs> Paul Abbott. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, Vicky. Uh, thank you, uh, Maggie, and thanks to Steve. Um, our blog 
Uh, Facebook and Twitter details are all at guardian.co.uk slash mediatalk, uh, which is where to go to do, continue any of the conversations you've heard today. Uh, Media Talk is produced by Ben Green. I'm Matt Wells. We'll be back next week with all the gossip and mayhem from the Sony Awards. See you then. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.